While we await a ruling on Jeremy Swayman's arbitration hearing that took place on Sunday, we're getting ready for Trent Frederick's hearing, which is scheduled for Tuesday, bringing you all the latest on both situations as well as how the Bruins parted ways with Mitchell Miller here on today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. Your Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be. Today is Monday, July 31st. And I want to thank you so much for making Locked On Bruins part of your day every single day. July was a great month here on the podcast, despite the early playoff exit and some perhaps underwhelming free agent acquisitions. You all tuned in and uh, made it a great month. So thank you so much for that as Bessie makes an appearance here. A reminder that you can find the podcast on YouTube as well as on your favorite podcast app. Search up Locked On Boston Bruins. Smash that subscribe button so that you never miss a thing. Programming note. Through the month of August, we will be down to three shows per week, at least. Maybe some extras here and there if if things are popping. But usually August is a pretty lean time for hockey talk. And so you can expect fresh episodes on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday here through the month of August as we get ready for the 2023-24 NHL season and training camp beginning in mid-September. What else is there by way of housekeeping? You can find the podcast on X and Instagram at LockedNHLBruins. You can find me, my hockey thoughts, and dad jokes on various platforms at ENC McLaren, including X, Instagram, Threads. Uh, I'm over on Blue Sky now as well, so search me up there. All right, let's get into it, shall we? And on Sunday, the Bruins, Jeremy Swayman, had their arbitration hearing. And, you know, a lot of times... As it happens, the two sides are able to come to an agreement prior to actually going into the hearing. That was not the case here with Jeremy Swayman. They had the hearing, both sides presented their cases, and going into it, the two sides were $2.8 million apart, according to Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman. Swayman's camp put in an ask of $4.8 million, while the Bruins came in at $2 million. As a reminder, this is pretty common for arbitration, and we'll see that again here in the case of Trent Frederick later on in the show. Usually the player comes in high, the team comes in low, and either they're able to meet in the middle prior to arbitration, or uh, the arbiter will come in with a ruling closer to the player, closer to the team. They can only come in at no lower than 85% of the previous contract. If 
the arbiter is severely underwhelmed with uh, the player's case. Even here this morning, you can see Troy Terry of the Anaheim Ducks coming in at $8 million, ask the Ducks at $4.5 million. So you can see the huge gap there. Swayman, 24 years old, coming off his entry-level deal that he signed in 2020. 920 save percentage this past season, 37 games, sharing the net and the William Jennings Trophy with Linus Allmark. Of course, Swayman started over Allmark in Game 7 against the Florida Panthers, made 27 saves on 31 shots in the 4-3 overtime loss. 88 games over three seasons, very good record, 54, 23, and 7, a career 920 save percentage, named to the all-rookie team in 2022. He won the Mike Richter Award as the top goalie in the NCAA in 2020, uh, played for the U.S. at the 2018 World Juniors and the 2022 World Championship. The Bruins have about 5.4 million in available cap space according to cap friendly with Swayman and Trent Frederick yet to be signed. There was some talk that they might have to leave some room for Patrice Bergeron, but of course that ship has sailed with the captain's retirement that I am still kind of uh, reeling over to be honest. And we'll talk more about that later on this season when uh, they retire his number. When it comes to Swayman, again, he shared the Jennings Trophy with Allmark, but of course Allmark was the guy who was in net the most and who won the Vesna Trophy, having posted a spectacular 938 save percentage. To suggest that Swayman should be paid... $200,000 less than Linus Allmark, who's making $5 million. Perhaps a bit rich. Bruins coming in at two. Clearly, he's worth more than that. And my expectation is that they will... Well, the Arbiter will probably come in at something around three point five, dollars uh, hopefully, which would leave about $1.9 to sign... Trent Frederick. So they have about 48 hours to render a decision. Uh, the hearing took place Sunday afternoon. So the latest we'll hear something on Tuesday. And I will be sure, of course, to cover whatever resolution comes from this situation on the Wednesday episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. We will also touch on Trent Frederick, who has a hearing scheduled for Tuesday. And we're going to discuss his situation, how far apart the two sides are here after the break. FanDuel is the official partner of Locked On and Major League Baseball. And you need to jump on there right now to get a pretty sweet deal. You can take your first swing at betting on Major League Baseball and FanDuel will give you 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. So 
If you bet 20 bucks, you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from money lines to over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. No better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Thank you so much once again for making Locked On Boston Bruins part of your day every single day. Every dayers can expect three episodes per week through the month of August. On Wednesday, we'll be back to discuss the Jeremy Swayman contract decision, where things are at with Trent Frederick, and all the latest with respect to the black and gold. All right, so I talked about how Swayman and the Bruins were $2.8 million apart. What's interesting there is that both sides filed on one-year contracts. With Trent Frederick, they're not only far apart in terms of valuation, but they also submitted different terms as well on the two sides. Now, everybody believes Trent Frederick should get a bump in pay. And according to, again, Elliot Friedman, after exchanging the numbers, uh, the gap is about 1.5 between the two sides. The player is asking for a one-year deal at $2.9 million, while the Bruins countered with a two-year offer at one point four. Frederick, 25 years old, played the last two seasons at 1.05. So he's going to be getting a raise. It's a matter of whether it will be two years at a more team-friendly rate or one year at somewhere around $3 million. Now, the two sides, of course, have the ability to continue talking before Tuesday's hearing all the way up until it begins. But once the hearing starts, they have to abide by the arbitrator's figure. Now, it's worth mentioning that in the past, teams were allowed to walk away from the arbitration decision. But unless the figure is below around 4.539 million, they are bound to the decision. And that's according to Cat Friendly. So whatever the arbiter decides, the Bruins are bound to it. They can't cite anything with respect to the salary cap and how close they are to the ceiling. They can't bring up bonuses due to Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. None of that matters. All that matters is Trent Frederick, his performance, and what he is worth. Now, Frederick is coming off a pretty solid regular season, career highs in games played at 79, 17 goals, 31 points. All of that came at even strength, except for one shorthanded 
assist that he uh, recorded this season. And I talked previously about how Frederick compared pretty favorably to Tanner Janot in Tampa, but the Lightning player had really um, exceeded Frederick in terms of penalty killing and hitting. Those are two areas where Jano really stepped up his game over Frederick, and those are areas that Frederick really needs to grow in in order to maximize his potential. He's not going to be a fixture on the power play. He's a physical presence, bottom six, natural center who plays the wing, who needs to be counted on more to kill some penalties, and use his physicality more positively in the way of hits instead of penalties. Longtime listeners of Locked On Boston Ruins would know that I haven't always been super high on Trent Frederick. I, I think of how he was drafted in the first round over a guy like Alex DeBrinkett, who's a much more prolific scorer, much better all-around player. Uh, Frederick was a bit of a reach, but... Having said that, he really grew into his game this past season, flourished in that bottom six role, taken under the wing of Nick Foligno, Charlie Coyle, Craig Smith early on before he was traded to the Washington Capitals and became a really good bottom six winger. There's still questions as to whether he can assume his natural center position whether he can succeed without the luxury of having a very deep pool of players around him. The Bruins aren't going to be as good this season. Um, The Bruins want to lock him into that two-year deal at a lower cap hit. Frederick and his representatives think he has earned that $2.9 million valuation on a one-year deal which would at least need to replicate his production. So they're pretty confident that this is the new Trent Frederick. This is who he is. The Bruins, probably not so much. They want to see what he's able to do this upcoming season on a team that's not as deep, not as good, and whether or not he can still be that fairly consistent scoring threat on the third line and whether he can grow into his potential as a center. So based on the fact that they're far apart, not only in terms of valuation, but also term, it looks like this also will go to a hearing, and uh, we'll see what the results are as early as, well, maybe Wednesday, probably Thursday, and we'll talk about that resolution likely on Friday's podcast as well. Now, something that has been resolved kind of sneakily, we didn't really hear about it until a couple weeks ago, is the Mitchell Miller situation. And we'll talk about that here after the break. All right. You know that Mitchell Miller is a situation that I've covered pretty extensively here on Locked On Boston Bruins. And for good reason. It was a big story. And I know a lot of people were disinterested or tired of it, but it was a big 
story at the time of the signing in November. And for the sake of completion, wrapping it all up, we have to talk about the fact that Mitchell Miller is no longer under contract with the Boston Bruins. And it happened a lot earlier than we thought. The expectation is that the defenseman would be bought out here in the offseason. But according to Larry Brooks of the New York Post, in an article on July 22nd, there was a resolution to this situation back in um, February, I believe. An agreement was reached in February under the imposition of confidentiality, kind of a mutual termination between the two sides. Let's go back here. November, the Bruins signed Mitchell Miller to a three-year entry-level contract. The blowback was severe and immediate, so much so that two days later, the club publicly disassociated itself from the 21-year-old, who at age 14, this is according to Larry Brooks in his words, pled guilty to one count of assault and one count of violating the Ohio Safe Schools Act for conducting a series of vile acts in a racially motivated campaign against a developmentally challenged classmate named Isaiah Meyer Crothers. Miller, his rights had previously been renounced by Arizona three weeks after they selected the defenseman in the fourth round of the 2020 NHL entry draft. And he was sent home by the Bruins after originally being signed to AHL Providence. Now, the Bruins went through a whole rigmarole of assessing their player evaluation process, their scouting. It became clear that Miller's agent had kind of sold the Bruins a bill of goods where there was really no proof of not even restitution or reconciliation, but any effort to apologize to Isaiah Meyer Crothers. And no real evidence of rehabilitation on the player's part. Several Bruins players came out and said he would not be welcome in the locker room. Um, all the way up to Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, Nick Felino, like key leaders in the locker room at the time. A lot of players disagree with the decision. Don Sweeney himself didn't even seem really convinced that it was the right thing to do. But they went ahead with it and signed him to that entry-level contract. And then two days later, saying, well, they're cutting ties. So, despite being sent home, he technically remained under contract. He was due a 95000 annual signing bonus on the two-way deal. He was scheduled to receive an NHL base of 750000 for this past season. 775 for the next two years with the minor league salary of $82,500. And the belief was that he was still under contract. He was on their cat friendly page and everything. Now Brooks learned from an NHL official on July 20th that Miller and the Bruins have indeed parted ways. 
The a Bruins spokesman then said they confirmed that Miller is not under contract, but cannot comment further. So what happened? The Bruins immediately terminated Miller's contract in conjunction with their disassociation from him. There's no record of them placing him on unconditional waivers for the purpose of terminating as required by the CBA. Um, so there are, you know, there's actual rules to follow to mutually agreed termination of contract. And this wasn't because Miller was not agreeing to terminate his deal. So the NHL filed the grievance and in lieu of a hearing, Brooks reports, the two parties reached a settlement under which Boston was released from the obligation while Miller received an unknown sum and was granted free agency. The agreement was reached in February under the imposition of confidentiality, Brooks writes. Its existence was not publicly known until now. And even as early as July 21st, or as late as July 21st, Miller was listed on their cap-friendly page and Puckpedia. So basically, the Bruins and Miller came to an agreement under confidentiality. The Bruins paid him to go away. And it was a confidential process, which was, I guess, good and bad, unfortunate, because we all assumed that he was under contract this whole time. But good because when the Bruins said they were cutting ties, they actually did cut ties right away instead of keeping him on the payroll and not wanting to have his buyout against the cap as we all kind of suspected. So a positive outcome for the Bruins in the end, a very bad look in an otherwise spectacular 2022-23 regular season. And hopefully that's the last time I have to mention Mitchell Miller here on Locked On Boston Bruins. I was on vacation last week. That's why I didn't touch on it. I didn't want it included in the Bergeron episode. So that's done. Wash our hands of Mitchell Miller. Move on. And we await decisions on Jeremy Swayman. We await a hearing for Trent Frederick. And I will bring you all the latest on both situations, as well as anything else related to the Boston Bruins, here on the next episode of Locked On Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. Thanks for joining me here today, friends. I hope you're all having a great summer so far. Please hit me in the comments or on social media at Ian C. McLaren with any questions you have, comments, feedback, always. Um, love to hear from you. Happy Monday. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you again here next time on Locked On Boston Bruins.